there's this draw that like it keeps drawing you back and it's not even necessarily like of course the highs and um all the high points of the experience where you're seeing the trail beauty and you have fun and the joy but I think also I've talked with other people who say the same thing it's it's those low moments as well that it's you kind of want more of that which is an interesting thing and I don't know if it's just like we're this group of people were wired a little bit differently with you know your brain and brain chemistry um but I think that was definitely a factor of like just wanting to experience some of those things that I felt and went through in Tahoe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Running Tales podcast. I'm Craig Lewis and the voice you just heard was that of Kim Levinsky. Ultra runner Kim is currently training to take on the Long Path, a 358-mile trail that starts from the 175th Street subway station in New York City, crossing the George Washington Bridge and running across the Catskills all the way to Albany. Kim will be running to complete a fastest known time on the route, which passes through woods over a series of 2,900-foot peaks and alongside a host of lakes and stream. It's a beautiful and challenging route. And talking of beautiful and challenging, those same two adjectives might apply to Running Tales' journey to 100 podcast episodes. Yes, today's pod has hit that milestone with the inception of Running Tales dating all the way back to those very early days of the coronavirus pandemic, when life outside of our homes was limited to one excursion per day, something which for many of us consisted of a quick run to clear our minds and stretch our bodies. When Michelle and I started running tales, we really wanted to tell the stories of those runners who weren't always at the front of the pack or who weren't getting widespread recognition, but were achieving extraordinary things in their own right and had a love of running which extended beyond winning events or technical goals. Along the way, we've spoken to everyone from part runners to Olympians, featured runners who have raised thousands of pounds for charity and those who've used the sport to conquer the demons in their head or find some inner peace. We hope you've enjoyed coming with us on this journey so far, and we simply ask that if you can help Michelle and I celebrate probably the closest thing we'll ever get to a 100-miler, then perhaps you can give us a positive rating or review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or maybe even share this episode or your favourite episode across social media. Now, we're really keen to celebrate the success of all our fantastic guests and to get their stories out there. And of course, that includes this story of Kim Levinsky. That brings us back nicely to this week's episode, a conversation which I started by asking Kim why she decided to take on the trials, and should that be trails, and tribulations of the long path. Sure. So uh, we have my our mutual friend Ken Posner to thank for this because he planted the idea uh, back this fall. We were chatting, and um, he suggested checking out the long path and a lot of the trails I had done. Uh, but he suggested making that you know something to do from end to end. So the long path uh, going north to south starts just outside of Albany at John Thatcher State Park. And then it goes 358 miles south and ends by going over the George Washington Bridge into Manhattan. So the the ultimate goal is to extend it even further north up into the Adirondacks. And there is some unofficial blazing that continues about, I think it's around 75 miles north of Albany into the Adirondacks, but it's it's pretty much entirely road right now. So their trail conference is just working on acquiring the land to move 
you know, the, the goal is to get it all on trail. So just a matter of time. What exactly is the uh, the challenge that you're going to be taking on on the long path? Yeah. So again, Ken, Ken planted the seed uh, back in the fall and he said, you know, there isn't, there's no women that have recorded a fastest known time for the long path. I mean, there's plenty of females, all different types of people who have done end to end, uh, but nobody submitted it yet as a female for unsupported, supported, or self-supported for the long path. And so that kind of got the ball rolling with checking out the trails on the long path and like I said before, a lot of the trails I've done, but there's still a lot to explore. Uh, and this is kind of my backyard. So I live in North Jersey. Uh, so really great kind of springboard to check out all these trails. Nothing's really more than a couple hour drive from where I'm at. So so that's the goal is to go end to end, start up north in uh, John Thatcher and then make my way south to Manhattan uh, starting in the beginning of July. How how long? I mean, because that is a seriously long distance. How how long are you looking at doing that? And obviously, presumably, it's not going to be on in, in one long go. So how does that work in terms of stops and whatever you may need to do along the way? Yeah, that's that's the big question I'm trying to figure out right now. I'm working with uh, I've got a really amazing group of friends that are going to be helping crew and pace. So we've been having a lot of chats about that. Um, so I'm you know the fastest recorded time right now is around seven days. Uh, that's for a supported male who did that, Jeffrey Adams, a couple of years ago. I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be cool to do it around a week, seven, eight days, seven, eight, nine days. But I think I'll have a better idea as the weeks continue to go on and I'm able to get out on the weekends to check out all these sections. And I think you said there you were looking at there hadn't been a fastest known time set for a female ultra runner before. But do you have your eyes on the men's record as well or, or the overall record? Because there are some... There are some female uh, ultra runners, you think of people like Jasmine Paris and so on, who are just doing some amazing things and, and who are beating the men quite a lot. So I don't know if that's crossed your mind too. I mean, it's hard not to think about, but I think, you know, I, I want to finish. I want to have fun. So much of these long trail projects that I like to do are, it is about the journey and it's about the time spent, especially doing it in the supported fashion. I mean, I think it's really cool. These people who go out and do it solo I enjoy running by myself, but the experience of sharing it with friends is really, really neat. I know I'm not answering your question, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> your best. I know, I know. You know, I think it'd be it'd be really neat to put up a competitive time, and I, I think it's a mix of wanting to push myself, but also wanting to enjoy that. I think I'd like to land in the middle somewhere. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, so it might be something that evolves even while I'm out there, like it might start off looking one way and then shift or, or whatnot. But um, regardless, I'm very, very excited. The, the, the planning process so far has been so much fun. I love, I'm a geek with all the maps and the GPX files, spreadsheets and stuff like that. So that's been fun. And, and just the teamwork aspect of it is really, really cool to, to work with friends and, and also to work with the trail conference. They've been an incredible resource, just so giving in, in their information. It's been it's been fun. It's made planning a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, I mean, to be honest, that's it's a pretty unfair question, actually, because when you're talking about trails like this over a distance like that, I'm guessing there's so many different variables you have to throw in. Uh, the course is probably going to be different every day, depending on the weather and just a hundred other different factors. Totally. I, I think that's what makes this long stuff fun is that there are some, so many variables and there's also like things can go really bad, but there's because it's so long, you also have time to recover, you know, which is, 
compared to like, say, if you, you're talking about like a half marathon or something, um, you know, there's not that much time if you go off the rails to come yeah. back, but a, a distance like this, which is multi-day effort, um, it really can change from day to day, which I think that's, that's kind of a really cool, unique aspect of these longer trails. And for people who, unlike yourself, obviously aren't, aren't such a, an expert on the area, what, what's the terrain like that you'll be taking on? The long path is really cool. It's such a it's such a diverse trail because it goes in and out of, of various trail systems. And I mean, one of the highlights for sure is the region that goes through the Catskills. So there's about 90 miles that goes through the heart of the Catskills. Um, it goes on just about all of the Escarpment Trail, half of the Devil's Path. Some really iconic summits throughout the Catskills, which is neat. And then right after that, you just got to kind of muscle through this road section and then you dip into Minnewaska State Park, which is just, I think, one of the the highlights of the East Coast is the Gunks area. So it's neat. But then you're also, you know, you've got road sections, you're going through towns, which is a cool part about this trail because it does give you opportunity to resupply by, you know, running through gas stations or you know, delis along the way. And uh, that should hopefully make crewing a little bit easier as well, where we have these access points that we can meet up throughout the trip. Just thinking of the crewing as well, it, the, the sort of overnight stops, if if that's the thing that you're doing is, I mean, what does, what does that look like? Does that look like a, a tent by the side of the road? Or does that look like something a bit more formal i don't know if a hotel would even be that sort of luxury would ever happen i know i know this this is a fun part that's kind of been evolving and it, i think it'll continue to evolve right up until well i mean throughout the whole thing probably but yeah i think the plan is to get some sleep each night and it's going to be i think a mix of like when we're in the cat skills there there aren't a lot of access points so it will be for sure sleeping on trail uh there are numerous lean-tos throughout the 358 miles so it'd be really nice to <laughs> link up with a lean-to to get you know into an enclosed shelter uh but otherwise probably on trail with some sort of like a bivy system and then um it'd be great you know to coordinate that's kind of what i'm working on now with these access points on a spreadsheet of where can we link up with crew where like we're hitting a trailhead where i would either sleep in the crew vehicle or maybe one or two nights there is some luxury of like you know there are um motels along the way that aren't very far off the trail they're under you know a mile or two from the long path trailhead so that'd be nice because i think i'm gonna smell like a dead animal so it'd be nice to, <laughs> to catch a shower once or yeah. twice <laughs> yeah and, and i think you, you kind of referred to it earlier but when you're out there in in this wonderful expanse of nature will you get much of a chance to take it all in and soak it all in or, or is it going to be like the pain of doing this run could be too much to, to actually enjoy it. I think it's going to be a, a good mix of the two. You know, I, I found that with, I recently did the Tahoe 200 run in June and that was, it was for sure a mix of like, you're, you know, you have this physical suffering element, but then you're surrounded by one of the most incredible sites in America with this, you know, Alpine Lake of Lake Tahoe. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, for sure, stuff like that, it really helps keep your perspective and keep you grounded of like, wow, you know, this is hard, but you're grounded and this is an incredible space. You know, the scenery is amazing. The trails are incredible. Um, but you know, you don't want to sugarcoat it either. Any kind of, whether you're trying to go fast or slow, I think being on trail for that long is a challenge. 
So it'll be a good mix, I think, of suffering and enjoyment. <laughs> it kind of uh, sums up ultra running in general, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> a heavy mix of suffering and enjoyment. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm quite keen to to go into and explore a little bit later, perhaps how you got into ultra running and that perhaps that love of the countryside and so on. But I, I just wanted to touch before that on on how you approach a race like that. This in terms of in terms of training and so on. What 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 how do you possibly train for something so so long and so varied i know i'd like to know the answer to that as well i'm i I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it there's probably a lot of different philosophies i had some success with tahoe just trying to get as much time on feet as possible and trying to get on trails that would most closely mimic the terrain which is really it's tough to do here on the east coast to get anything that's close to the west coast trails because they're they're so buttery smooth you know and they're they're big climbs you know two three thousand foot climbs it's just you can't find that here in new jersey but i think the specificity is is important so i'm lucky where you know the long path is you know quote unquote my backyard where i can drive out and get on sections and so that's what i've been trying to do is just as much as possible do this recon where I think that helps too when you're out there to once you get to a spot that you've been it's familiar and it kind of like I don't know it just seems a little bit easier where like things look familiar where you're not seeing it for the first time. What does a training run look like in terms of distance because if my calculations are correct you're going to be doing I don't know it's going to depend on the day I'm sure 40 50 60 miles a a day Um, I'm I'm doubting that that's going to be what you're doing on a training run. So does the training run look like a, a casual marathon or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. The last few, you know, the long efforts I've done out on the long path have been around 20 to 25 miles or so. Um, but again, it's not just like ultra running. It's not running the whole time. Like it's a lot yeah. of hiking that's going on. Um, and then also practicing, like stopping in these gas stations and restaurants and seeing like, well, what do they have on the, aisle five you know and see like would this be a good stop and so then I'm coming back and using my spreadsheet taking notes I'm I'm chatting with crew and saying like hey this would be a great spot or like hey there's a diner you know or there's a Dunkin Donuts that'd be a good spot to stop so yeah uh, well you've brought the food thing up now actually because that's a that's a really good point How, how much food do you have to take on when you're taking on these kind of ultras because I'm imagining it's quite a lot and that it's it's probably not the stuff that would normally be falling into the healthy category, if that makes sense. <laughs> We've mentioned donuts already. So. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, I am absolutely spoiled because one of my good friends is a sport dietitian. We connected around two years ago when I was starting to train for Tahoe and we connected through that and she helped me train. She actually came out to Tahoe 200 and crude and pace. And we've become good friends over the last two years. So I am so, so, so thankful she's, she's offered to come out for this. So she's going to be crewing and she's actually going to do the Catskills section with me. So I do feel spoiled in that because she's the expert and I trust her and, you know, she just, she knows what to do. So that's been cool because she's been helping me now. Some of the advice has been like to go out doing these training runs is to practice eating the type of food that we're going to have access to. So instead of bringing stuff that I'm like super used to trying to get outside of the box and, and, you know, trying to get maybe a deli sandwich that I normally wouldn't get instead of the classic, like Turkey, try like roast beef or something like that. That's been valuable. And um, so 
I often tell her like she's kind of in charge of that, which I'm thankful for. So yeah, it's just I guess I guess the challenge will be just trying to keep up with uh, you know, the the calories and trying to eat as much as you can each day. I'm guessing doing that while also uh, having the right foods that that kind of don't upset you or don't make you sick along the way. Because for for those those people who don't do ultras or, or so on, maybe up to the marathon distance, you, you you might take something on, but it's generally a gel or something like that. And it's it, it's such a, a different concept in running when you get up to those really long distances of like, oh, I'm just going to eat a full meal in the middle of this now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Whereas, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I'm so glad. I mean, that was a big takeaway from Tahoe with Dina helping me is to really practice and not just wait until, you know, a week before to try to figure out the nutrition piece because I feel I mean I've definitely learned how underappreciated that side of these ultra running is you know with nutrition and hydration um so definitely you know that side doesn't get the credit you know that it deserves but um yeah I'm, I'm very thankful to have to have that help and in terms of your, your running generally how did you find a running a, a love of running in the first place and then make that that move up into ultras Sure. So I, I grew up playing all different sports, very active, uh, involved in a bunch of different team sports. And I continued to play through college. I played softball and basketball. And then when that ended, you know, it was a really big lifestyle shift because I had been used to having that structure of practices and games and being on, you know, in the team setting. So I was definitely looking for something else because it went from, you know, being involved my whole life to then not having anything. So um, I picked up running, I signed up for a half marathon, and just fell in love with it. And kind of that like all in personality, all or nothing went really fast from like, half marathon to marathon. And then I met some trail runners, and they had me drink the Kool-Aid where like, oh, 50k is only a little longer than a marathon. So you should do a marathon. <laughs> 50k. You know how it goes. And then that that just once I hit the trails with that 50k, I fell in love with trail running and really haven't gone back to the roads. I just felt I found the trail community was I know I'm stereotyping, but it was very laid back, very welcoming, very inclusive. Uh, people were super friendly, just a very different vibe than the road scene, which I really enjoyed. So I've stuck to the trails since then and kind of just been trying to go a little bit longer each time. In terms of the the races and uh, the runs that you've you've done at uh, ultra level, you, you you mentioned Lake Tahoe, but but what other ones have you have you taken on? Yeah, so it's a little unique because I I kind of went the springboard for the hundreds. It was right during the pandemic, so I had signed up for a hundred miler that was going to be out in Ohio, but with travel restrictions and the the race had gotten deferred and whatnot, so I ended up doing a kind of like a self supported hundred locally uh with friends that came out and did that and then the following year i was supposed to do tahoe in that september of 2021 and wildfires had deferred it postponed it to june of 2022 so i ended up doing another self-supported hundred uh in the new york hudson valley it was like this big hundred mile loop that went around the east and west side of the hudson hitting those those mountains so beyond that just a bunch of local ultras 50ks 50 milers so a little bit unique in that I, I i don't have a lot of formal 100 milers under my belt besides i guess tahoe, tahoe 200 is really the only official 100 mile plus ultra that that i've got 
But this is another thing which ultra runners, or at least some ultra runners, seem to to get into. It's this thing of, oh, well, I could do a hundred mile race, and I'd quite like to do it, but then I could just run a hundred miles around my back yard with my mates feeding me burgers every every half hour or something and it just seems to happen it's very it's kind of amazing but a little bit strange as well it's true it's true it, you know for a living I'm a, I'm a race director so sometimes people say like oh you're a race director but you don't do a lot of races and maybe it's just because you know we put on a lot of event, events throughout the year that it's kind of fun to just go out and do these run venture styles where I'm either solo or with friends or whatnot so yeah it's cool and, and do you have any uh, any other races or or even just random runs on on your mind after uh, after the long path? Oh man, after the long path, I've got a couple crewing gigs lined up with friends. Uh, one of them is coming out to crew me, so that's really neat. Anytime you get to give back, kind of just people who are helping you out. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be crewing in uh, September at Run Rabbit Run, the 100 out in Colorado. And then uh, a buddy of mine's doing Moab 240 in October. So I'm going to be crewing uh, for him. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't have any races that are on the calendar beyond July. Hopefully all, everything's groovy after July and then we'll take it from there. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, another thing that's quite interesting, isn't it? You get over and, and you achieve these wonderful things. Sometimes either the body or even the mind actually can can take a little while to get used to things. I mean, obviously this is a, maybe another extreme, but I was watching some stuff on on, on the Barkley marathons and, and so on, and they were talking, oh, I think I watched the Gary Robbins documentary, which so many uh -huh. people would have watched, and he was talking how it took him six months to even be able to go out and do another proper run after it, and it, it does take a little while to get over, or it can take a little while to get over these uh, these mammoth runs. Does does that does that worry you, or is that is that in your head mind at all? The physical recovery, not not so much. I remember Tahoe it was it was really a full month before I felt like I was quote unquote nor felt normal again. Something after Tahoe, I wasn't really ready for was that mental letdown that comes. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's not really talked about a lot, and uh, it's something I've been trying to be more vocal about is just like the mental health side of all of it. And it's interesting after these big events, um, you know. And I I just recently talked to to a guy who did the Finger Lakes Trail, which is like 580 miles. And we were chatting about this, this letdown that comes after you've been invested in such a big project long-term. So that's something I think I'm going about a little bit differently this time is just having that knowledge and awareness of like, I want to really try to set myself up for success this time. And which is why I've lined up these crewing things where you're, you know, you're giving back and you're still involved and there's something on the calendar to, um, to just, you know, be plugged in and not kind of drop off. It's really fascinating that collapse at the end of a that mental collapse at the end of the, these big events. I mean, previously on the podcast, uh, my wife Michelle, who does this with me, has spoken to some some runners who've done extraordinary things like running across continents and things like that. Yeah. They've taken months to do it or whatever and they've got to the end and because it's not a it's not the london marathon or boston or chicago or whatever there's not thousands of people clapping you home after a, okay. the most momentous thing you'll probably do in your life there's like okay. your, your mum your dad and and your partner sort of thing yeah clapping you as you go to the beach and they just sort of go Oh, is that it? I've... exactly <laughs> that forest gump thing of do i just turn around and run back the other way that's right you just that's it's that's it so 
I think that's something I'm going to be a little bit more mindful of and, and have some, you know, support systems in place. I mean, my friends certainly know now, uh, you know, we've talked through that. I think having some therapy in place as well is going to be a good tool to have this time around. Just moving on slightly, uh, you, you mentioned some of the um, the race director stuff that, that you do. Uh, t- tell everyone a little bit about what you do there. Is that, is that all trail running stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Sasquatch Trail Running is is the company. You see the sign behind me. Every run is a trail party. That's our that's our slogan. So we started up back in 2018, and we put on trail races around New York and New Jersey. So we've got about one race every month. Uh, there's 11 on the calendar for 2023, and they'll range from 5K up to 100 mile. We also have a backyard ultra. So it's it's great. It's been an incredible journey that Sasquad's been on with just the growth. And um, it's, it, you know, our goal is to welcome all people's paces and ages, which is it's so cool because, I mean, even just the last the last race or the race before that, we had a couple of folks in their 80s come out. And then also we had kids that were on the starting line. Uh, so it, it's a it's a really, really neat community that has grown over the last six years. And do you think I mean, I get the impression for this certainly but do you think kind of trail running is is growing in popularity and, and also i think ultra running seems to be growing in popularity yeah absolutely it is i i talk to runners every race who will say you know they did either they they're coming from a road background where they've done some road races and they wanted to try something new or i just talk to people who've never run at all and they heard about trail running they thought it looked cool um you know, more and more, I'm actually seeing a lot of hikers that are coming out to these races. And that's been a great, uh, you know, we've we've shifted in, in really expanding the cutoff times for our events to make them more hiker friendly, because mm-hmm. that's the feedback that I've been hearing is that hikers want to get involved in these races, but it's the cutoff times that are preventing them from finishing because they're just coming to hike. They have no intention of running. Uh, and I think that's incredible. I mean, we had a, we had a race in September where we had a group, there was like 15 people in their group where they hiked the marathon and they were out there for like eight, nine hours just hiking. And, uh, you know, other runners were saying too, at the finish line, like, man, you guys are tougher than all of us. You were just hiking this whole time. Um, so it's cool. Yeah. I think, I think in general across the board, trail, trail community, trail running and hiking is definitely expanding a lot. And this might be a bit of a potentially deep philosophical question or something, but do you think there's a reason behind that? I mean, is this, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head a little bit. I think is this to do with, you know, we spend so much time in our lives generally sitting in front of a desk or in front of the TV or something like that. And then, so this idea of being able to get out in nature and then also to just run further and uh, than, than ever before, the marathon was kind of the, the top level. And of course it's unbelievable to do a marathon, but now people are going, Oh yeah, I might do a 50k or a 50 miler and it's these things are just increasing. Yeah, and I think a big a big launching point was uh 2020 with the pandemic when at least locally around here in New Jersey, the 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 trail system the local parks and trail systems exploded with just people who were, you know, everyone was either out of work or they were working from home and kids were doing virtual school and you just saw people were just flocking to open spaces. And I think that's that's really what saw a big turn with Sasquad is we were getting um, all these new people were wanting to just experience the trails and be outside. Um, so I think that 
that's been a huge change. I think probably across the country, people would say the same thing with, I mean, you see it with the national parks here in the U S like they're, they've now implemented like lottery systems for some of these places where you have to, you know, like you have to have reservations, you have to be in this lottery system in order to go to these, you know, high profile spots in national parks. So I think that was definitely um, a factor in the growth of people getting out there. Yeah, we do. We definitely saw it here with people going out. I mean, potentially even more so with the sort of hiking and walking side of things where everybody with their whole family who were off school yeah. and off work were going out and doing doing walking all day because they had nothing else to do totally yeah uh, yeah it, I, I guess that's probably some of that has translated into uh into trail running as well yes i agree absolutely just going back to uh back to the to, to the long path and 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 that incredible rut run <laughs> What was it that made you think, uh, and and don't just say Ken, because <laughs> that made you think, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at, at at this run. Because even when you look at 200 miles at Lake Tahoe and, and some of the other runs, 100 mile runs, this is significantly longer, isn't it? It is a little bit longer, yeah. Mm. And I'm just thinking, what, what 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 was the thing that ticked over in your mind says, oh, I'm going to have a crack at this, I can do this one? That's a really good question, Craig. Um, I think a lot of it has stemmed from Tahoe 200 and the experience that I had out there. It's interesting because I've talked with other runners and hikers who have done these long distances. And there's this, there's this draw that like, it keeps drawing you back. And it's not even necessarily like, of course, the highs and, um, you know, all the high points of the experience where you're seeing the trail beauty and you have fun and the joy. But I think also I've talked with other people who say the same thing. It's, it's those low moments as well, that it's, you kind of want more of that, which is an interesting thing. And I don't know if it's just like, we're, you know, this group of people were wired a little bit differently with, you know, your brain and brain chemistry. Um, But I think that was definitely a factor of like just wanting to experience some of those things that I felt and went through in Tahoe. Like I mentioned before, so much of it is like the shared experience is really, is really neat. I think maybe that goes back to the background in team sports, team athletics, but uh, it's just so cool to be able to work together with friends and, um, you know, I think that I think crew and pacers are are another like very very underrated uh, facet of these experiences because often it's like oh well the runner is the one who did everything when really like a lot of these runners myself included you fall apart you know you don't have that great support system so um, there's definitely that is a big draw to it to be able to share this with uh, some of my close friends. And, um, and then also the opportunity to do some fundraising as well. I'm going to be fundraising for the New York, New Jersey trail conference. And they're the, they're the nonprofit group that maintains the whole long path. They, and they maintain over 2000 miles of trails in New York and New Jersey. Um, so just bringing in awareness to what they do as an organization, uh, raise some funds that, you know, it's going to go right back into the trails. Uh, and then I'm also raising funds for Bigger Than the Trail, which is a nonprofit that uh, they use trail running as a platform to raise money. Then that those funds are used to provide three months of free therapy for anybody who needs it. 
So no questions asked. Anyone who needs to get plugged in with a therapist, they can do that um, without the burden of uh, that financial commitment through Bigger Than the Trail. So um, that is very exciting to me. And to be honest, like these these podcasts and interviews, it is uncomfortable like to be have this little bit of spotlight. But um, I always come back to like it's just it's opening the door to share about these two really, really neat nonprofits that um, can make a really big difference to people and they just need to hear about it. So that's what I'm trying to do is take that opportunity to share it. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, make sure to uh, send over the details of those and we'll put them in the show notes so people can uh, check it out, have a look at a bit more detail of what these uh, what these organizations do and uh, hopefully uh, chuck a few pence your way or, or dollars oh. your way. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And just to, just to finish off, Kim, um, what would your advice be to anybody else who was, I won't necessarily say anybody else who was looking to take on a race like the long path, but anybody else who was looking at to get into running and trail running? Sure. I um I have this conversation a lot of times. Usually every race I'm I'm talking with maybe a bystander or a family member who's you can tell they're like kind of they want to dip their toes in, but they're a little bit nervous. Um and I always say just get out there. Just go out and get your feet on the dirt and don't let uh gear or shoes or anything be a barrier. Like you don't have to go out and buy a pair of $140 trail running shoes. Like just go out with what you have and see if the experience is something that you enjoy. Um, and if it is, then, you know, you can spend some money or whatever, but just try to keep getting out there. And um, I've just found that the community across the board, uh, not just ours, but communities that you find in the trail space uh, are generally very inclusive. And um, so I just say like, try to get connected with, other trail runners and hikers because you might find your new best friend you know you might find a new community that you didn't know you had access to and before you know it you might find yourself running 300 miles across the mountains hey it's a slippery slope so (laughs) (laughs) just heads up for that (laughs) fantastic well kim thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on uh, on the running tales podcast thank you craig this was a lot of fun i appreciate it Thanks again for joining us on the Running Tales podcast, our 100th episode. Thanks to Kim Levinsky for making it such a special chat on this occasion. We really, really need your support here. If you can help us to reach another 100 episodes and beyond, what we want you to do is share the podcast, put it out on your Facebook pages, your Instagram pages, your Twitter pages, and give us those positive reviews and ratings. It really does help us as we try to continue to grow the podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week, and we look forward to seeing you next week on episode 101 of the Running Tales podcast.